You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. Today I am here with Madison Oak. She is a DPT or doctor in physical therapy, and she actually specializes in vestibular rehab, which is basically physical therapy for dizzy people. Um, and this is a near and dear to my heart subject, so I'm excited um, that you're here. So thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I thought I love your podcast and have been binging it recently, and so I'm uh, thank super you. excited to be here. Cool. Well, just tell everybody. So I know, you know, we're going to use the word vertigo a lot today, but like tell everybody kind Mm -hmm. of who you are, how you got to where you are. And then we literally need to explain to people like what vertigo is and dizziness and all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my name is Dr. Madison Oak. I'm a vestibular physical therapist. I have classic physical therapy training. I went to school at the University of Wisconsin, Madison. um, And I graduated with a generalist degree, like all of us physical therapists do. But one of my last internships in in physical therapy school was in vestibular rehab Uh um, at a place in Austin, Texas, that is excellent. It's called 360 Balance and Hearing. Um, And I just kind of fell in love with vestibular therapy from there. And my first job out of PT school was in New York City. And I practiced vestibular rehab there. That's where I started really getting into it, doing all of the extra um, continuing education and things like that. And now I run a telehealth practice for people in five different states for them to be able to get vestibular rehab via telehealth, especially when it's very inaccessible and frustratingly so for a lot of people. And it's just as effective we've been finding, especially in the pandemic for people with dizziness, because driving is really hard. Even if someone can drive you to your appointment, you're often too dizzy by the time you get there to do anything. And so there's sort of this like gap in care because home health therapists don't really do this kind of PT. Um, so I decided um, my partner and I move for work quite a bit for him. So um, I decided why not do a telehealth business and just see how it goes. And it has been incredibly effective for people. And um, so I do that. And then I run something called Vestibular Group Fit, which is a online group uh, training program, basically, that isn't both an educational platform for like, what is a vestibular disorder? How do you solve it? How do you treat it from home? It's never medical advice, um, but it is yeah. educational about that. And then also three times a week, there are live workout classes that are both safe for your vestibular system, will help strengthen your vestibular system and help prevent attacks from a lot of kinds of vestibular disorders. So I, it's interesting. I think people may not even realize, okay, so there's all of these different subspecialties within medicine, right? So there's like mm-hmm. pharmacy, nursing, physicians, physical therapy, dietitians, but even within the different occupations, there are subspecialties. And I, so I don't know if people even realize physical therapists specialize as well. So that's all you do. Absolutely. 
That's all I do. I only treat vestibular disorders. I mostly treat vestibular migraine just because that's sort of the niche I've found myself in. And I really find incredibly interesting. And like, there's a lot of value there that I can create for people. So I treat mostly vestibular migraine, but I've treated it all. I treat even BPPV over telehealth. Um, Just did so on last Thursday, actually. So every We'll explain to you what BPPV is. Don't worry. So yeah, we will define all these things. Yeah, so- there are a lot of kinds of dizziness. You said we're going to use the word vertigo a lot, but uh-huh. I actually prefer to use the word dizziness a lot because vertigo has a very specific definition. And that definition okay. is the incorrect perception that you or the room around you is moving, sliding, or spinning. Um, but dizziness is sort of this umbrella term that means everything. Uh-huh. So dizziness is a word that I really don't like because it doesn't do a good job of explaining what you're actually feeling. So when I first do a subjective interview with a patient, yeah, um, super I'll say, vague. What is what is super vague, right? It can mean like I feel muddy headed. I feel like I'm sliding around. The room is spinning around me. It can mean so many different things to so many different people. So I think right. it's important to define the difference between the two before you even get into like what kind of dizziness you're having. So, okay, what first let's let's tell people, okay, what is the vestibular system. I mean, what even is that? Because I guarantee you if there, I I do have a lot of medical people that listen, but I have mostly non-medical people. And and even, I mean, I worked in ENT for a long time. And so I've even still after years, I'm still like confused by the whole thing. Like there are physicians that literally only work within this tiny, we're talking millimeter section of the inner ear. So what is the vestibular system so that people, people, there are probably people listening that don't even know that they're having problems with their vestibular system. So what do you, how do you explain to people what is your vestibular system? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the ear first. So you have your ear, right? You have the part you can like stick your finger in. You could touch it on the outside. People get Uh it pierced. That's your outer ear. And until you get to your eardrum, which is the part that like, if you stick the Q-tip too far, we know we're not supposed to do that. Um, You can That's very true. And people do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) People do it anyway. You shouldn't do it. Shouldn't. Um, And so if you get too far in there, it's like, oh my gosh, it hurts. That's the thing that when you go to the doctor and get like an annual exam, or if you have an earache, they look for that thing. It should be kind of like silver and shiny-ish if you look at it, um, if it's not infected, all healthy, whatever. Then you have your middle ear. So that's the part with those tiny, tiny ear bones you learn about in high school bio class um, and the part that pops. So some people say if they swallow, it pops. If you uh, go up and down in an airplane, go scuba diving, everyone I think has popped their ear. Yeah. It feels really clogged you when you station get sick. Two. That's your middle ear. Uh-huh. Exactly. So that's your middle And those tiny little bones, the pressure. tiniest bones in the body. They're teeny, teeny, mm-hmm. tiny. Yes. That's your middle ear. Teeny, okay. teeny, tiny. Exactly. And then you have your inner ear and that goes into your skull a little bit. And that part is the part that we're talking about when you talk about your vestibular system is the inner ear, but there's even two parts to that. So in high school bio, if you kind of go back to that part of your life, you can talk about the little snail looking thing. That's your cochlea and that Mm -hmm. part's your hearing organ and sound goes in there and it vibrates a certain way. And it tells your brain, this vibration means that, and then you can hear me talking to you and understand what I'm saying. Uh Uh-huh. 
Then you have your vestibular system, which is attached to that. Um, and I have an article about this. Maybe you can link it in the show notes because yeah, I totally. think a picture can be really, really helpful. Uh-huh. Um, but it's basically this like curly Q part that is the vestibular system. And there's two parts within that. So you have like three semicircular canals, which are attached to this center portion. Um, and it's really difficult to explain abstractly. So maybe go Google a picture of it or look at the link in the yeah. show notes to find a picture. But three semicircular canals and then the center part. The semicircular canals do angular motion. So if you're moving sideways or spinning around or something like that, those detect that by fluid moving back and forth. Um, And then if you have the other part is the linear detection because you want to know how you're accelerating. We're not always accelerating angularly. Sometimes we move linearly, right? Like up and down at an elevator or forward backwards. Um, those things are by the otolith organs, which are your utricle and saccule. And all these scientific names just make up that inner ear vestibular system part and tell you where your head and body is in space. Supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now. So how do we know what to choose in a brand? My family personally uses Thorn. Thorn has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country, including the Mayo Clinic and Charleston's own Medical University of South Carolina. You can order any Thorn product through me when you create your account at thorn.com slash you slash dabbleco and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you'll just be prompted to confirm dabbleco as your referral and the discount supplied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash you like the letter U slash dabbleco. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. So I think people don't know they have one until something goes wrong. Yeah. Right. right. Like you're you're motion sick or you get off a Mm -hmm. roller coaster and you don't understand like why you're feeling those. First of all, let me back up. Mm -hmm. I worked with four different surgeons who only did ear surgery. You have just explained that to me better, better than any of them. God bless you. Like I, that was like the most detailed, like I am, I couldn't have explained it like that. My life depended on it. So first of all, there's that. But then secondly, yeah, I think we don't understand, um, you know, why, first of all, like dizziness and can be such a vague term. And there's so many things that are playing into your vestibular system that we don't even realize are, are, are happening. Um, so like, you know, mm-hmm. car, car sickness, people who can't ride roller coasters, yep. b- you know, bending over and even vestibular migraine, which we'll get into. I mean, so mm-hmm. that's, God, it's, it's, it's so interesting. There's so, it's such an intricate part of the body and it's so tiny and yet it can be, mm-hmm. if it's off, it can be completely debilitating. Like it can take you. Absolutely. Down. Absolutely. I think it's probably one of the most debilitating kinds of disorders that there are because, and I'm not saying other things aren't debilitating, but there are a lot of things that you can like manage and work through and be like, okay, I can have horrible head pain, but still maybe get some work done today. But sometimes if you're spinning and I, again, don't want to discount pain. I don't want to discount chronic anything because it is debilitating, but dizziness and vertigo have this way about them of like the room is moving and you can't even like stare at it book or look at the TV, look at a screen because like everything affects that. And it is one of three balance systems that we have in our body, but it sort of works. I would say, I kind of like to describe it as a switchboard. So it determines what the correct thing to listen to is. So like, if you close your eyes, you can 
So you have your vision, I should say, your vestibular and your proprioception, which is the way you like feel the world around you. And those three things should integrate all the time. And your vestibular system has a way of detecting acceleration, which means if you are standing on something uneven and you have your eyes closed and your body all of a sudden feels like it's moving, your vestibular system is in charge of keeping you still. But if your eyes are closed and you're on a firm surface, then your body should say, okay, we're going to listen to our feet, feet and our yeah. inner ear, but we're going to ignore what's happening with our eyes, right? Because we can't see. Uh-huh. And so that kind of switchboard mechanism, because there's no really way of setting it off like an off switch for it, unless I guess you like spun around or if something went wrong, right. um, it's always on and it should always be working. You can close your eyes. You can walk across something uneven and that will make the other two kind of thrown off. But this vestibular system should be on all the time, kind of like your heart is beating all the time. Um, so if something goes wrong, it throws the whole body off. So I think it's important for people to understand, like if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, and I want to talk about vestibular migraines specifically, because that is something Mm -hmm. that I personally dealt with all day, every day, 24 hours a day, seven Mm -hmm. days a week for almost a year. And my husband and I were just talking about it. Um, Recently, he's a physician and we were talking about this, you know, um, friend who's going through something, these symptoms. And I, I was like, I actually think that they're having a vestibular migraine and a lot of people don't Mm -hmm. realize that there are so many symptoms that can be migraine related, particularly vestibular migraine that are not classic migraine symptoms. Like when we hear migraine, we just think headache. Oh, like they have a really bad headache. It can Mm -hmm. be pain with hearing. Like you can literally get Mm -hmm. off balance and even dizzy or maybe, maybe the vertigo where the room is like fully spinning. And so you don't know how to treat it and it's can be debilitating, but really you're having a a migraine. So you kind of have to back up and and treat it from a migraine perspective and, and not just treat it as a vertigo. So how do people, how do most people get to you? Um, Most people find me through Instagram. And I think a lot of it is because the soapbox that I have, like the hill I will die Mm -hmm. on is that, is that vestibular or that migraine. First, we're trying to get a way of saying, away from saying I'm having migraines because people with epilepsy don't say they're having epilepsies. They say they're having seizures. So a migraine attack. So that is one thing. And then Uh another thing that I will it's like my soapbox I never shut up about is that you do not necessarily need head pain to be diagnosed with migraine. Migraine is a neurological disorder. It is one of the most misunderstood and unknown about diseases in the world, but it is more common than things like asthma. So it's under-researched, underfunded, and people just, we don't understand really what's going on, but it can cause hemiplegia. It can cause... um, dizziness, vertigo, like it has so many different things that it can cause. It's not just head pain. And some people, I think it's, don't exactly quote me on this, but I think it's around 40% of people with vestibular migraine have no head pain at all. Um, So I think that's mostly how people find me is through Instagram because I just rant about these things all day. No, I love (laughs) it. I mean, I, I definitely became kind of a part of the migraine community a few years ago. Um, And and like you Mm -hmm. said, I mean, I didn't know for years that I was having migraines. And I, I think, I think when you, we think about a classic migraine, it's like debilitating head pain. Maybe the person's vomiting, you know, they're totally mm-hmm. bedridden for that day. At least that's kind of how I thought about it. 
but it can really just be these chronic, almost lower key, yet debilitating symptoms that have, like you said, have nothing to do with, with head pain. Um, Absolutely. Really, really hard to live with um, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's, it gets to the point of where people get anxiety and depression and um, gosh, it's, it's really hard. So, okay. Tell me how, all right. And just in my brain, like thinking about the treatment of vestibular migraines and thinking about migraine disorder. Mm -hmm. And then, so, so how does vestibular rehab, it just helps the symptom of something that they're having when they have a vestibular migraine? So two things. So for all around vestibular disorders, whether it is positional vertigo, vestibular migraine, vestibular neuritis, Meniere's disease, whatever it is, um, pretty much no matter what, you could treat those symptoms with vestibular rehab. So um, it's basically what are the things that make you dizzy? Can mm-hmm. I, as your therapist, reproduce them? Can uh-huh. we do it in a slow graded fashion until it becomes easier? Basically okay. is what that is. So I treat everything from like, let's figure out how to shower again without feeling like you're going to slip and fall over. Yeah. Um, let's figure out how to drive again. Let's figure out how to go to the grocery store. Like I really like to focus on functional aspects of things rather than right. like, can you shake your head at 240 beats per minute without feeling super nauseous? Like at the end of the day, I don't really care about that. I care about like, can you function? Functional, yeah. So that's the first thing. And then for vestibular migraine specifically, there are a lot of things in this treatment pie that you can talk about. And uh, migraine strong on Instagram really introduced me to the treatment pie um, when I was first practicing. Uh-huh. And that is the fact that like so many things contribute to what can cause a migraine attack. So right. you would call those triggers and your threshold can be high or low um, depending on kind of where you're at in life in your trigger load for any specific reason. There are hormones to consider, sleep to consider, um, exercise, food, hydration, Mm -hmm. like diet. Yeah. Like everything that you can consider and vestibular rehab and exercise is one of those things for migraine. So you can raise your threshold with vestibular therapy and with exercise. And so promoting a lot of exercise, which is why I started vestibular group fit is because you can prevent a lot of migraine and vestibular attacks by raising threshold through exercise and then also being able to lower how, like, I guess, raise the number of things you can do before you feel dizzy. Like dizzy is a normal part of the human experience. Like Uh if you get pinched, pain is part of the human experience. Like if I went spun around 10 times, I'm going to feel dizzy. Right. But your threshold to feeling dizzy should be spinning around 10 times rather than spinning around one time. Yeah. Yeah. Like now so Canada does both. It's interesting. I know now, like with my kids, even I know my vestibular system, like I can't we're, you know, at the pool or whatever, and they're where in the park and they want me to spin them mm-hmm. around. I'm like, I can do that about two or three times before I'm going to vomit. Like I can't do, you know, more like yeah. that I should be able totally. to. Um, but okay. Mm-hmm. So in threshold, I love, I also just like have to plug this book while we're here, this book, heal your headache. If you're listening and you have headaches or migraines oh, yes. for the love mm-hmm. of God, please read this book. It is the way that <sighs> David Buckholz explains threshold. Yeah. And so like, for example, because people might be, be thinking, why would I want to do vestibular rehab if I could just, you know, quit eating, like say chocolate as a trigger or coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
there's all these things that you, like you said, can lower your threshold where all of a sudden you're having a migraine attack. And if you get one portion under control, that might mean you can introduce something back into your life that was formerly enough of a trigger mm-hmm. to give you a full on, you know, migraine attack. So if you really desperately want chocolate or cheese or coffee back in your life, maybe vestibular mm-hmm. rehab is going to help you accomplish that. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to cut out every like thing in your life the whole time. Yeah. And I think that there are, like I said, kind of like a lot of ways to go about this, right? Like you can focus on your sleep. And I was just listening to a sleep lecture from uh, the world migraine summit last year. It's Uh great. Um, But like, I think that since there's so many ways to go about this, like using the whole treatment pie is great. I do love the book by that. You just mentioned the heal your headache, one, two, three steps, whatever. Another one that I would really recommend is, um, victory over vestibular migraine by Dr. Shin Bay. It is like the uh-huh. patients and I think all practitioners should re- read it as well, but like it's, it explains what a vestibular migraine is. It goes down the road of like every single thing that you can do to change your situation at present. Basically it's a great read. Um, and, but with the heal your headache diet book, I do really like it. I would refer you to Alicia Wolf, the, um, dizzy cook on Instagram. She's great. She's like the queen of it. Yeah. Um, but there also are other ways that you can go about that, that aren't so restrictive. Like I think that the heal your headache diet is great for some people. And I think for other people, like it creates, um, some food, extra food, fear in a way that like creates yeah. like good foods and bad foods. Yeah. So I think for a short amount of time, it can be really helpful for some people. Right. Right. I know some people it wasn't super helpful for. So I think kind of take every single, like you would with any diet, right? Like take everything kind of with a grain of salt there and see what might be best for you. Yeah. I think the diet part if of you it. you want to do it, Alicia's great. What? Yeah, she is. I, she is great. I need to buy her cookbook, by the way. Um, but what's interesting about the diet <laughs> yes. to me is that there are so many things that are triggers that are healthy. Mm-hmm. And so people think, oh, it's yes. like MSG, chocolate, coffee, wine, like all these things that we would consider, you know, unhealthy or whatever. But it can also be like mm-hmm. avocado or peanut butter. Yeah. So I had to convince yeah. a sweet, sweet friend of mine, um, to read this book. And she's like halfway through the diet part. And she was like, I, I can't like, I am not doing this. And I was like, listen, you are miserable. You've had a migraine every day since you were 15. Like, just do it. Just, mm-hmm. just for, um, give it a few weeks. Just do it. She was, mm-hmm. so peanut butter is what she now knows is one of her main triggers. She was eating a spoonful of peanut uh-huh. butter every night before she went to bed. Like, had she not done this weird ass, yes, totally agree, restrictive diet, it's not a diet to lose weight. It's a diet to help you figure out what is potentially part a huge part of your your migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt thought that was so yeah. interesting. That is very interesting. And it happens for a lot of people. For some people, they go on this diet and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know exactly what it was, but something Something. in here, like peanut butter, for example, but the best part, you can't forget about the best part of the diet, which is food reintroduction. Yeah. So you have to get to a baseline and then reintroduce food because living your whole life eating a very small number of things, like that's not good for your gut microbiome. It's not good for a lot of stuff. It's not sustainable. So if you do do it, please do the reintroduction phase. Um, yeah. It does take some time. Do it with a doctor or a dietitian. Um, you can also get this thing called the MRT test. I think it's um, I think it's kind of expensive, but 
if you do have the resources to get it, you can get that food sensitivity test, which is specific for migraine. I think I'm sure it's for other stuff too, but I know all the like migraine nutritionists and dietitians use that test and then help their clients read that test and then um, use the results from there to like create a plan for those clients, which I think has been really helpful for a lot of people. So what is, we talked about, or just said BPPV earlier and used Mm -hmm. to see that all the time. And it's like very terrifying for people (laughs) when it happens. So what is BPPV and what do you recommend when that happens to people? So BPPV is benign proximal positional vertigo. So by definition, benign means not going to kill you. Positional means it's only happens in certain head positions or body positions. Uh Uh, Paroxysmal means short, spontaneous, going to end quickly. And then vertigo, meaning the definition we mentioned at the beginning, the incorrect perception that you or the room around you is moving, sliding, or spinning. So that goes the definition of BPPV. Because it's such a long term, we just call it the acronym. Um, And what will happen, this is how you know you have BPPV. Every single time you lay down, basically, the room's going to spin from 15 Mm -hmm. to 60 seconds, and then it's going to stop until you change position again. So usually it happens when people lay down to go to bed at night, and they'll be like, it only happens when I lay on my right side or something like that. Mm -hmm. It never happens when I lay on my left side, so I either sleep at an incline or I only lay on my left side now. If you go and don't get it treated for a long time, that can lead to other issues like with your neck and stuff because we should sleep flat. We shouldn't sleep too for some people. But if you do have this, if you lay down and the room started spinning, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so scary because it is, it's terrifying if the room spins. Mm -hmm. Go quickly to a vestibular therapist near you. All all physical therapists should be able to treat basic kinds of um, BPPV if you don't Uh have access to a vestibular therapist. Um, but if you do, I would recommend going to a vestibular therapist because the way that your eyes move, because your eyes are twitching when you have this room spinning sensation, um, the way that your eyes move determines which maneuver you need. So I wouldn't recommend trying to treat it at home um, because sometimes people end up converting it to another it canal. It, so it ends up being in more than one place. So you can make oh, it a lot Lord. worse and harder to treat. Yeah. So I recommend just like nothing you can do like can really make it worse besides converting it so if you're just like laying down to go to bed if you just stay in that position for the rest of the night nothing's going to get worse you won't have it again until you sit back up so that's one Mm -hmm. thing to know um have someone take you to the physical therapist they should be able to treat it between one and three sessions yeah yeah don't don't drive don't drive when that's i mean i guess in theory you could because if you unless you like look up, it's not going to happen, but I don't recommend driving because it could be unsafe in case you need to like move your head some direction quickly or something. Yeah. Um, But again, it is positional. So it only happens in the plane of the canal. So those three canals we talked about, we talked about the anatomy at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's most commonly in the posterior canal. Um, I see it pretty frequently in the horizontal canal because people do try to treat it at home. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's usually in the posterior canal and it will happen just when you lie down on one side or the other. Um, with your head kind of in a, at an angle. Oh, one thing I want to plug. There is an app. It's not my app. I'm not paid for this. This is not an ad. But um, her name is Cheryl Wiley. She's a, a Canadian physio. And she has an app to treat 
um, it at home. If you're in a rural area, um, she lives on a boat part-time, which is how she got this idea. Cause then she didn't have so much oh, access yeah. to, um, medical care. And so she's like, I'm just going to make this app. It's great. It's like $6 on the app store. Okay. Um, but it goes through like what you would look for with a partner to diagnose and treat your BPPV. Um, yeah. if you wanted to do that from home or learn more about it. So if you've been following DabbleCo and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, so it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks, guys. And you just may not, you know, yeah. sometimes at, at least even like at my big hospital, we had like several doctors that could treat it and PTs, mm-hmm. but it might take like weeks to get into somebody. In the meantime, and I feel like totally. we would hear it often when people would say, when I get out of bed in the morning, it like, you know, I like immediately fall totally. over or like barf or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, it can be like <laughs> pretty, much. Pretty, pretty bad. Um, it can be definitely terrible. Absolutely. So even if you could like start with that while you, you know, like wait for your, wait for your appointment. Um, and I think it's mm-hmm. just important for people totally. to know it's, it's not normal. Like even if it happens, if you're like, oh, it's something that happens to me often, it's still not normal. And there could be other things, you know, totally. involved that you need to have evaluated. So don't just continue to try to, mm-hmm. to try to treat it at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What, what do you do with people in vestibular rehab? Like, what do you literally physically do? Cause I sometimes have, would have patients that wouldn't want to go. I don't, I don't know why, but they, I don't know if they felt like it didn't work. I mean, it worked. I did it after my surgery and I mean, it worked for me like really quickly. I was so thankful for it. But um, what do you do with patients when, when they come to see you? So I think first, before we start that, like, I think people don't want to do it for one of two reasons. One is they've done it before and it didn't work for them. And it didn't work because they didn't do it with a vestibular specialist, but it would be like going to a cardiologist for a brain problem. Like, yeah. then they would probably know some stuff about it. They learned it in school, but they're not the expert on that thing. So that's the yeah. first reason. Yeah. Um, and then the second reason is it gets a, a bad rap for some people because it doesn't work at the right time. So people will be like, oh, well, I saw on Facebook uh, support group, which is totally fine. Be a part of those groups. I have nothing necessarily bad to say about those I think no I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it when you finish your thought I'm gonna say it Mm -hmm. you finish finish your thought but basically people say like oh this didn't work for me and you shouldn't try it It made me dizzier but it's it's intended to make you a little bit dizzier it shouldn't ruin your whole day and if it ruins your whole day then you should tell your therapist it should ruin about five minutes 
and it shouldn't ruin anything, but it should make you a little bit dizzy. The intention is to recreate your symptoms in order to treat them. And then I'll talk about exactly what I do, but I want to let you say your thought. Well, okay. So the Facebook groups. Okay. So if you have been following me or listening to my podcast, first of all, thank you. And I'm sure you're like, oh my God, stop talking about it because I talk about it actually in my podcast that just came out a little bit. But I, so I have like a rare skull-based defect condition thing that where my brain basically pokes through my skull and sits on my inner ear and causes like all these weird and terrible symptoms. When I first was diagnosed, I um, actually went to Johns Hopkins because I was working in this group and I felt like it just felt like a weird relationship to know that like the people I work directly with might operate on me. And that just, there's just like a weird line, whatever. I went to Hopkins and the nurse practitioner that was working with me was like, Oh, there's actually a couple of Facebook groups that I recommend you, you look at and they just have like helpful tips and tricks and hints and whatever. Yes. And no, like I joined them. And at first I was like, this is so interesting to know that like, I'm not completely alone in this weird ass chronic condition that no one knows what I'm talking about. And, you know, it, it helped me understand some of the symptoms I was having that I didn't even realize were related. But then I will say like, if, if that's you and you're in a rare, weird condition and you want to join one of these groups, fine give yourself a limit or some kind of like time frame or I only go on this page once a month, whatever it is, because I will tell you, there are people that this becomes their entire identity. And there are people there that don't know what they're talking about. There's, there are people that definitely know what they're talking about, but there's plenty of people that have no clue what they're talking about. There's like people that had potentially a bad outcome with a surgery that you may not even be having. And that's all they talk about all day, every day that would then hinder someone who like I had surgery and it changed my life. But I also worked in surgery and like, I just knew that it was, I was going to be fine. But, you know, imagine you aren't in the medical field and you're reading like bad outcome. And this person who's like posting every day about how like it's ruined their life and all, all that to say, like you have to get in get whatever's helpful, if anything, if it's not like, and, but then get out. I mean, just get out. You have to get out of those groups. You can't yeah. go in there every day. It can't become your identity. Like you've, you've got to move on. That's I my agree. Spiel. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm in the groups. I don't have a vestibular disorder. Um, I have a different like chronic thing that I deal with and I am in a group for that and it is on mute. I look at it and I go to the search bar and I search like if right. I'm having a weird symptom and I want to know if other people are, right. I like search that thing in the search bar. And then I'm like, okay, then it goes back on mute. I don't see it in my feed. I That's see the great. vestibular disorders groups, those I see in my feed. And because I, they, I mean, well, I'm there like to like your watch job. and listen yeah. and to like, yeah. it's my job to like know what people are dealing with, know what people need answers to. Um, I obviously do not provide medical advice, but I use it to be able to um, like put more information back out in the community on my Instagram. Like that's what I use it for, but I see the same like 15 or 20 questions get answered. And I was talking to a um, friend, colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Kostalnik, she is a psychologist and she mm -hmm. specializes in treating vestibular disorders. 
and she has a great course, but she put together a, an Instagram post about this. And it was like the reasons that they can be harmful is that there's huge selection bias, right? Like people right. who like yes. yourself are now like not dealing with these symptoms as often. They're not in those groups anymore. Right. Um, other people have different co- comorbidities that you don't have. Like there's a lot of other aspects to it that aren't going to apply to you necessarily. So if you do want to be in the group, I say at least mute it. Um, I do think there's a time and a place. I think at the very beginning, just like you were saying, it was helpful to know that you're not alone. You're not making this stuff up. You're not crazy, et cetera. Um, But then again, it's a time and a place and you can, it's okay to remove yourself from those places, especially if it helps with your mental health. And if you're a provider like myself, I oftentimes like ask people who are my patients who are getting a lot of like nervousness about this to be like, Hey, do you think it's okay if you Uh remove yourself from that group or at least mute it and see how that makes you feel? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think it's, I think it's such a double-edged sword, like literally all of social media. I don't even know if there's a good edge anymore to be honest, (laughs) but but yeah, it was, you know, it was like helpful for such a brief amount of time, but then I think it can be really harmful, like you said, mentally and just causing anxiety and things that you don't. And like you said, I mean, I I'm, I'm doing well, like I'm not in that group anymore. Whereas after my surgery, like I posted several times about like how well it went and my surgeon and, and everything, but like now I'm out and I haven't commented in like two years. So, you know, exactly. I I think that's exactly a really great point. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to consider that, especially uh, from the question that this all stemmed from, uh, what do you do in vestibular rehab? Oh, because right. vestibular yes. rehab for some people is like, everyone's like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this. This is great. And some people like, don't try it. It made it's me so much worse. And there yeah. are two reasons it can make you feel worse. There absolutely it can. Like I recently started vestibular rehab with a patient and she's like, this is getting worse. And I was like, we need to stop. Your brain isn't ready to accept rehab yet. And that's okay. You know, we tried, we said, you seem pretty, your brain seems pretty calm. You seem to be in a better place than you were six months ago. Like, let's give mm-hmm. us a shot. And if in a couple of weeks, it's not helping at all and you're feeling worse, let's stop. And that is a totally okay place to be in. And it really depends patient to patient. But what I think about that is like, you need to be with a person who knows when to say you need to stop because this mm-hmm. person didn't want to stop. She was like, I don't want to quit. And like, it's worth it for you to quit because I think that we could start again and it could be more successful. So that's well, one what reason. Do you, what do you it do? It can make you dizzier. Oh, wait, say the second reason. And then I'm going to go back. We'll go back to that. <laughs> the second reason you can make you dizzier okay. is if you're doing it by yourself or the therapist isn't really sure what, how to dose you. Okay. It should be these are kind of the rules of thumb that I use in vestibular rehab. It's what I was taught and it's kind of how I go about this still. Uh-huh. The first thing is it shouldn't make you dizzy for more than five or 10 minutes at a time. Some, some people say up to 15 minutes. If it's a home exercise, I still like the five-ish minute rule okay. and it shouldn't go a five over your baseline. So even if you are a five all the time, that now becomes zero when you start your exercises. Like this is my zero baseline. You don't want it to go five above that at any given time while you're doing your exercises. If it does, email your therapist and stop. Like those are like, do some grounding, do calming, do mindfulness exercises. It shouldn't be something that ruins your entire day. So some people, it ends up ruining one, two, three days at a time. And it's like, that shouldn't be how vestibular rehab is. Gosh. Okay. So, and if somebody, you said like your patient who wasn't ready, then 
how do you mm-hmm. get them ready? What, how do you get them to the place where they're ready yeah, to go to rehab? So, yeah, this particular person has vestibular migraine and uh, she has been dealing with it for, I'd say, I don't know when she started, like, I do know, but I won't say like seven yeah. or eight months probably. Yeah. So she basically deals with these symptoms chronically. She has a history of classic migraine, um, developed vestibular migraine, which is a really common thing, um, and has been seeing her doctor and basically is on like the classic supplement regimen, some different medications. And uh-huh. she felt, felt well enough to like go walking a couple times a day, every day and felt better when she was walking and she feels better when she's more active, et cetera. But if we do specific vestibular exercises, she feels worse. Yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, your brain isn't ready for this. Yeah. And you can tell when your brain is ready, if you're at like a general baseline, it doesn't have to be zero attacks. It doesn't have to be, um, like I feel fine. Cause then why would you even go to vestibular rehab? But it has to be where you kind of are at a place where you are more consistent uh-huh. in a way, like you have yeah. to be under treatment and consistent with the amount of attacks or um, symptoms you're having. And I know that can be kind of a fine line. So I never think it hurts to get an evaluation. Yeah. Like if you have the capacity to be like, okay, I'm going to go to this PT evaluation and at the end of the hour, they're going to tell me if I'm ready for this or not. Yeah, And you know, it's a sign of a good therapist. If they're like, you're not ready for this and come back in two months and we'll check in. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I do think it's interesting. I, I, you know, there aren't, so I was in Charleston until I moved to Nashville, Mm -hmm. which is like a pretty, I mean, it's not a major city, but like, it's a pretty big place. And I want to say we had one, maybe two people in the whole town that we, and we had the main academic medical center for mm-hmm. the entire state who were actually trained in vestibular rehab. So talk about, let's talk yeah. about the telemedicine that you're offering because even, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't even think it has to be rural. I'm thinking like, my gosh, in Charleston, we no, only have one or two. And like, if you're, say you're 30 yeah, minutes outside like, of a city like that, like totally tell about, yeah. tell us about your telemedicine I've, platform. Definitely. So I personally treat in, let's see here. California, Virginia, Maryland, New York, and New Jersey. And the variety of those places are not rural. Like I have yeah. some patients in rural areas within those states, but uh-huh. um, then we also treat in Minnesota and Wisconsin. I have a, a colleague of mine who treats there through yeah. my practice. Uh-huh. She's also equally excellent. She has the exact same training as I do. I trust her with my life. Um, and then mm-hmm. the patients in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So all fantastic things, but basically it's because there are so little, so few resources for people who are dizzy, especially even in New York. Like I used to work at, um, a clinic in Manhattan. I would, I still refer to that clinic all the time. They're excellent. Um, but it was one of like two places in all of New York city and the boroughs, like to get vestibular rehab. Like I know, I know plenty of vestibular therapists. Like if you name a state, I could probably give you one. I have a list of them yeah. on my computer. Um, there's also a healthcare directory on vestibular.org okay. um, if you need to look at somewhere near you. But if you're like, there's one person, I live in Iowa, Madison doesn't live there. Where do I get therapy? First of all, I know someone there, she's great. But second of all, if you're like, I live in a rural place, I can't get there you can find the therapist and then email them and be like, Hey, I live an hour and a half from you, or even I live 20 minutes from you, but I can't get to the clinic. Do you do 
telehealth and most therapists these days will say yes. That's awesome. So it's definitely an option and it can also be helpful because then like I can see the space that you are in physically and like, how can we adapt the space to you? How do we make it easier for you to live within your space and things like that? So, um, tell people, this is like fascinating, tell everybody where they can find you like on social media and do you have a website Mm -hmm. and things like that? Yeah. So everything is the vert at the vertigo doctor. So it's facebook.com, I think slash the vertigo doctor, however that Uh works at the vertigo doctor on Instagram, Twitter made me shorten it. So it's the vertigo doc. Um, and then the vertigo doctor.com has like all these resources It has the diagnostic criteria for everything. Uh, I really focus on how you can explain this to someone who's never heard of the vestibular system. So are all the articles on my website are all pretty much all the diagnoses you can get with a vestibular disorder broken down into th- language that you should be able to hopefully understand. Um, my email is always open. It's madison at the vertigodoctor.com if you have any questions. Um, and then vestibular group fit is um, the program that is available worldwide for everyone who wants to educate themselves and strengthen their vestibular system. It is a group program. It's never medical advice. It's never vestibular rehab, yeah. um, but it has been incredibly successful in people treating or not treating, but healing from, um, different kinds of vestibular disorders. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, I loved our time and guys, as always, if you want to follow, subscribe, rate, share, share this episode, it's, it's so, this will be a, such a helpful resource for so many people. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on and we'll see you guys next week.